And uh, so all of the groomsmen, we decided we were going to get matching stallion tattoos. So I had the tattoo artist do a stencil of like three different stallions, choose yours. Well, all of us got so drunk that no one got a stallion tattoo except the last addition to the groomsmen. He was like a sub in make it because of the reschedule and so he texted us the next morning and it was just a picture of the stallion tattoo on his arm he's like really guys <laughs> he was the only <laughs> one that got one and it, it looked awful the intersection of good drinks good music and good times this is hops and spirits bar conversations I had a blast on Saturday at Railbird Fest in Lexington over at Red Mile. It was a great time. Madeline Edwards, who was on the show, kicked it off. She was amazing. Got to see Whiskey Myers, Weezer, Zach Bryan, so many outstanding artists. If you get a chance to hit up a festival this summer, I hope you take that opportunity because it's a blast. We got a blast for you this week. We talk with country artist, former voice contestant Jay Allen. But up next, it's Tasting Notes as we continue our grilling series with Grilling and Whiskey with Chad Watson. Enjoy. Did you know Hops and Spirits is more than just this podcast? Check out hopspirits.com for our latest episode release, past episodes, interviews with interesting folks in the alcohol industry, and so much more. Just go to hopspirits.com. Feel free to wait until this podcast is done. Joining us once again on Tasting Notes, he seems very comfortable where he's at. You can find him as My Daily Bourbon on Instagram. He's part of the Bourbon Life crew. Welcome in, Chad Watson. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. I know usually I'm in my office chair, and now I'm on this nice, comfy couch at work. I was going to say, it seems like it's a rough life these days for you. Yeah, it's, it's bad. It's it's horrible. You know, couldn't get any worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although I've heard you've had to make a few 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 drives, which can uh, be, be fun. But we're we're here to talk whiskey, and I think for this time of year, something that may go well with it some may not agree with it but we'll find out grilling and whiskey does that go yeah. together after my memorial day cooking i'd say yes but that was also after three three beers some you know i had some tax man some country boy but i told the girlfriend i said go get me a glass of whiskey and i said don't tell me what it is just bring it back and i mean i could buku that day we made all kinds of stuff um but she brought me back some rare breed and i'm sitting there drinking and i got the because I live in an apartment complex, so it's charcoal. So I have charcoal smoke in my face, and me and this guy are chit-chatting, and I'm sipping this rare breed, and I'm like, damn, this is nice. The three beers are really nice, but the glass of whiskey worked really well with it. And then, especially sitting out there eating the food with it. I usually don't drink whiskey with food. I'm a cocktail kind of guy. I like whiskey on its own or with, like, a dessert. But something about the setting of cooking the food, having that smoky-ass smell all over me, and then sitting down eating a nice grilled burger with a glass of rare breed, like really, really hit home. It just like worked. Uh, I like it. So, so what you're telling me is, is you can make whiskey and grilling work. Maybe pace yourself if you're near an open flame though. Yes. Um, I would say don't start with three beers. No, I mean, this is over the course of like two hours. It was, you know, like one beer, 20 minutes later. Another. It's, I'm not like pounding beers. I can't do that. Three beers is usually my limit anyway. But I totally would uh, would recommend it. Depends on what you're cooking. Now, this Sunday we are going to be grilling steaks and pork chops on the grill, and be testing maybe some low proofers. I think the problem with what I had rare breed, you know, at one sixteen point eight proof, and it was like ninety degrees on Memorial Day. It was pretty hot. So maybe some eighty or ninety proofers. You know, some of your nice summer pours would be great. I'm a big fan of like when we go to the pool. I'll I'll make 
not this size, but I'll do like a big bottle of like a pre-made cocktail, whether it be like a whiskey sour, a bourbon Rita, and I'll use lower proof stuff. Um, typically at home, I use higher proof in cocktails because I want it to stand out I like boozy cocktails. But for the hot days, you don't want too much alcohol because at least for me, uh, which coming from the guy who just said I had three beers and a glass of whiskey, but I think some lower proof stuff would be nice because, you know, it's softer on the palate. It's not going to dry you out as much. And then maybe if you want to have a little more higher proof while you're eating, go for that. But so far, my first experiment has been good. Well, and, <laughs> and it kind of transitions perfect into to a second part of that because obviously most people, I mean, you can grill out all year, but I feel like when the weather's nicer, you kind of want to be outside a little bit more. And so is that where, like you said, maybe – your summer pours come in and what, what are your summer pours to you? My summer pours to me, um, are not necessarily 80 proofers, but your heaven Hill products like the 1783 Evan Williams, 90 proofer, soft, fruity, sweet. Um, even your cheap bottled and bonds, just because those aren't strong in flavor, uh, even though they might be 90, hundred proof, they're not too hot. They're a little thin, they're watery, so they're easier to drink versus, you know, if I, like this right here, you know, this, we're going to be at 91 degrees today in Lexington, and I just pulled this, this is a barrel sample for a tasting. It's probably 120 proof. Drinking this outside today would be like just drinking the lighter fluid to start the grill. So take your cash drink stuff, proof it down, but yeah, the, the Heaven Hill Bottom and Bond line, uh, Russell's, um, Russell's tenure, big summer pour. Uh, Maker's Mark, big summer pour. Last year, I wanted to start this thing where I was like, I'm going to do patio pours. I'm going to review stuff on my patio every day or like once a week. And I just kept drinking Russell's and Maker's. So I was like, well, I did those two. So <laughs> no need to do any more. So, so what you're telling me is is there's a, a certain sweet spot for the, for the temperature. And then maybe if it's a little cooler as the night goes along, maybe you can break back into those uh, higher proof pours. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, the sun starts to set, the 90 goes down to about 75. You can feel the coolness in the air. You want to bring that warmth back, that's when you bring out the 120 proof stuff. Yeah, I, I like it. And like you said, be be smart. Um, Mother Nature around uh, Kentucky anyway is going to be hot. I have a feeling oh, elsewhere yeah. it'll be hot. Um, so now with that said, I've got a very difficult question to ask you. Oh, no. Always need in the summer or do you put it over ice? It varies. Um, it really varies. So if I 90% of the time, I'm just drinking whiskey, neat, straight, in, in, a, in a Glen. I've been really loving these baby Glens just because, like, this is a one-ounce pour and it looks massive in here, but it, it's not much at all. Like, this, realistically, this at home would take me, like, an hour to drink. I'm not just, like, a chug, chug, chug. But on a day like today, it would totally be, like, Elijah Craig, just the 90... 94 proof Elijah Craig in a big ice cube and enjoy that. Or some Maker's Mark. I love Maker's Mark. Some Maker's Mark on an ice cube. Just because those are two really good profiles um, that, like, with some water and ice over time, just kind of dilute down. And on a hot day, that sweetness, the caramels and butterscotches and those waffle battery notes that both of them kind of share really lend well to, uh, to, to the water being added in the ice cube. Now, what I wouldn't do is take cash drink bourbon and put it over ice and be like, yeah, I'm watering it down because realistically 
unless your ice cubes suck or it's stupid hot outside, they're not going to melt fast enough to really make a difference. And you're still drinking a lot of alcohol on a really hot day. Stay hydrated. <laughs> exactly. If nothing else, stay hydrated, stay smart. And, and like you said, try, try a few things, see what you like and, uh, enjoy a little, uh, whiskey with some, some grilling. Yeah, man. I, I've been loving it. I don't know if you've tried it yet, but you should. Well, first I got to get better at the grill and then I'll try it. <laughs> I'll come show you a few things. <laughs> I, I might need that. But Chad, I appreciate the knowledge as always. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Check out Hops and Spirits on social media at Hop Spirits, all one word, on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also find Hops and Spirits on YouTube and at hopspirits.com. Joining us here for our conversation, he's a country artist, and you might remember him from The Voice. Welcome in, Jay Allen. Hey, Jonathan. How you doing, man? Thanks for having me on. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're you're a busy man traveling all sorts of places. Um, but since this is bar conversations, I got to ask: you got a good drink tonight? Yeah, man, I drink water every day. Make a little more. <laughs> got to stay hot. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I, I got a little stronger than water. Um, it might be cut with water, for all I know. A little minor case rye, a little little rye whiskey with a sherry cask finish. Now, nice. Do, are you just a beer guy, or do you dabble in, in whiskey and tequila and some stuff like so, that? No, man, I'm an everything guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, uh, I'm i jealous that you can drink whiskey. If I have one glass of whiskey, I'll drink the whole bottle, so I've just slowed it way down. And uh, I got I kind of got tired of waking up in the morning and looking at my wife and immediately having to apologize. So I kind of just cruise on beers now. But I'm a weirdo, man. I used to I really got into gin. I was drinking gin and tonics. Ooh. Yeah, and I, obviously, you know, I went with, with uh, Hendrix. That was the go-to. And then I, we were in New York City, and I I ran into a, a gin cocktail lounge. And uh, I was like, they asked me what I wanted or what I typically drink. So I told them Hendrix and Tonics, and they're like, well, try this. And it's called Monkey 47. It's pretty much like purple Kool-Aid for alcoholics. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and I had like five of them, and uh, Kali was super mad at me. But, uh, man, I, I love all different types of liquors and beers. Kind of if I'm playing shows, just so I can keep a clear mind and not be an idiot on stage, I'll just drink Michelob Ultras. But we're about to drop a, a song. So, you know, I'm known for, um, you know, the the story with uh you know my mother who passed away from alzheimer's and we have a lot of heartfelt songs and that's really what i stand for and what i've been doing the last five years being a philanthropist um but i feel like it's time to sh start showing the fun side of me uh which i have a five-piece band all covered in tattoos and we have a really fun up-tempo live rock and roll show to be honest and so we're gonna drop a song called jello shop and so i don't know a soul that doesn't like jello shots but i've been sucking down those things for years <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with that now now since you're, you're you behave yourself and you're usually on the on the beer side are you like an ipa guy a porter guy sour or are you just like if it's good beer it's good beer yeah man for me it's like you know i, I there's nothing like i kind of go through phases right now like i said make love ultra i was coarse for a long time i love a good ipa um, that guy, that, that typical dude that shows up at a bar in a random city and asks for, what's your local IPA? That's probably me. <laughs> hey, there are worse things to ask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, and I, 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 I just, I love, I love trying everything. I'm a yes man. I say yes to everything. So I love it all to be honest. Yeah. 
Well, and when you're traveling, I'm guessing you like to enjoy go out, maybe have a beer, grab, check out food. Are you, do you are you also into food and like checking out the local food scene, or, or do you even get time to do that? Oh yeah, I'm with my manager right now, and she's apparently there's a, some Japanese place she wants to go see after this, so I'm waiting, I'm waiting <laughs> to see where that is. But yeah, my wife, I'm married to Kylie Morgan. She's a country artist, signed Universal Records, has a single on the ready, crushing it. Um, but we're, we've always been foodies in Nashville. It's hard now because obviously we tour full-time now, so we really see each other, and we're really in Nashville. But we used to, every time a new restaurant or bar would pop up, we'd just go. Like, we got to go see it. But now there's like 10 that pop up every month. I'm like, there's no way we're going to see all those. But yeah, we're definitely foodies <laughs> time. One for breakfast, one for lunch, one for second lunch, one for dinner, yeah. just a full day. Yeah, and all the hot chicken. I mean, Nashville has so much hot chicken. It's ungodly. Now, I have to ask, you know, you, you mentioned being married to Kylie. Did y'all really forget your marriage license oh. when you got married <laughs> back in November? Yes, we did. Oh, my gosh. It's embarrassing, dude. Yeah, man, I remember, I remember uh, uh, morning of the wedding, I woke up and I looked at Kylie and I was like, no way. She goes, what? I said, we forgot to get the marriage life. We literally couldn't believe it. We we're just so overwhelmed. There was so much that happened around our wedding, you know, like, first of all, our wedding got postponed uh, because of Hurricane Ian. And Kylie and I, we have such big hearts, you know, we immediately um, started planning a Fort Myers relief concert for them. And um, and then I was on the voice at the time. Kylie, you know, was pushing her single to radio. So media kind of just jumped on our backs. And so for us, it was like, we didn't really want to make it about our wedding. We wanted to make it about how can we help these people that are family and friends to us down there in Fort Myers, you know. So there was a lot leading up to that wedding, man. So when we finally got there, we were just like, we made it, you know. And uh, we forgot a, a key piece of information. <laughs> well, I mean, I was going to say, like you said, it got pushed back. Yet There was a lot going on. I mean, you literally, you came, didn't you come off tour and did she come off tour to like, carve out a week to do this we both did. it was literally our only weekend available that was that we ended up having to do it on a thanksgiving sunday because that was like a holiday available so we literally had thanksgiving with our entire family and all of our close friends in fort myers and then had our wedding so yeah man it's getting harder and harder to find time together but uh like i said we make it happen i laid in bed with kylie last night and then immediately woke up this morning and left i was like well i got one night in <laughs> Hey, cherish each, each night, but but I was gonna ask too because it's got to be, while it's difficult to do what you guys do being in in the music industry, it also has to be nice to have someone that is also in the industry and kind of understands it all. And you know, you're you're both each other's biggest cheerleaders. Yeah, man, that's what I think. That's why I don't think this would work for everyone, but it works for us because we're both wired the same. You know, we know all the same people, we do all the same things, we travel to all the same clubs. You know, so sometimes Kylie and I don't go, we'll go two days without talking to each other sometimes, two, maybe three days sometimes if it gets crazy. Um, so it just, it works for us. I was with someone in the past where um, she wasn't in the music industry and uh, I don't recommend that. <laughs> you know, it, yeah, it was painful. So yeah, man, just, and Kylie's just cool. She's, I mean, she, this is weird to say, I'm just going to say it. Kylie's pretty much a dude with boobs. Like she's just, she's so easy to hang out with man and just it's it's there's never any drama or stress she's my best buddy you know so every now and then she'll like send me a text hey remember me i'm your wife <laughs> well every you got to do that to her you can go hey remember me i'm your husband yeah. and just you know that way it's that's, even it's easy oh i get back at her i dig at her we have fun <laughs> she's 
Now, and the devil, golly. <laughs> now, I got to ask, you guys got matching tattoos as well um, around the wedding time too, right? Can you talk a little bit about the, the meaning behind that? Yeah, till death. Uh, so, uh, Kylie's so cool, she let me have a say in the wedding. Like, I, I, I was oh. like, really? She goes, what do you think the theme should be? And I said, we should have an all-black wedding. Because I wear all black every day. That's just who I am. And uh, she was like, okay. I was like, well, shoot, I'm going to push a little farther. I said, well, can we have a tattoo artist? And she goes, oh, that'd be different. So she let me have a tattoo artist. And I uh, made every single person sign waivers. And people got tattoos drunk at our wedding reception. It was hilarious. So Kylie and I knocked ours out first while the while the tattoo artist was still sober. Thank God. <laughs> but I saw <laughs> terrible tattoos the next morning, man. I felt bad for people. I'm like, you signed the waiver, man. It's not my fault. You knew what you're getting into. I had my, so this is like a funny thing. I, I, I call all my best buddies and like my band, like it's just a joke. Uh, I call them my stallions. It's just, it's silly. Like, what's up, stallion? And uh, so all of the groomsmen, we decided we were going to get matching stallion tattoos. So I had the tattoo artist do a stencil, of, like three different stallions, choose yours. Well, all of us got so drunk that no one got a stallion tattoo except the last addition to the groomsman. He was like a sub in make it because of the reschedule. And so he texted us the next morning, and it was just a picture of the stallion tattoo on his arm. He's like, really, guys? <laughs> he was the only <laughs> one that got one. And it, it looked awful. <laughs> and, and now he's like, I'm not going to talk to you guys ever again. This no. Yeah, he actually, he was the only person in the entire wedding that got the, he got the same tattoo, the till death as me and Kylie. And that was like, that was only supposed to be a tattoo for me and Kylie, the bride and the groom. And he got one too, cause he was so drunk. So he actually already got it covered up with another tattoo. I thought it was, that was so funny. See, you got to be careful at, at, at weddings, uh, especially when alcohol is involved. I, I've learned, learned, learned the hard way on that my, myself. Now, you, you know, you also do this thing called music. When when did you get into music? Yeah, man. So super long story short, uh, my I grew up in a little town, Iowa. I haven't been back there for. I mean, I go back when I'm paid to go play a show. To be honest, um, I've been in the South now for I think 16 years. Um, but yeah, I grew up in a little town in in, in Iowa, and um, my dad owned a restaurant, and uh, that's actually how he met my mom. He hired a waitress and uh, got her, got her pregnant and made me. <laughs> so I grew up in this restaurant and this this uh, couple would come in like I I was the kid that was sitting at the bar like as all the old guys walked in and they would like get their coffee and get their breakfast and they like would tell me all their dirty jokes like old men do and I kind of grew up in this restaurant this couple would come in and always try to invite my parents to go to church and so my parents were like I want nothing to do with that and uh, eventually they convinced them to let me go to church so they took me to church every Sunday since I was a little kid and uh, we'd always have to sit in the front pew and uh, Baptist <laughs> church. And uh, I remember I was like seven or eight years old and we were singing out of hymns. And I, I mean, I was just a little kid with a high little voice. So I was singing all the women parts, all the female parts out of the hymn. And I remember Ron, he's a big Jack farmer. He looks down at me and goes, you can sing. I'm going to put you on stage in front of everyone next Sunday. So he did because he's a man of his word. I was terrified, trembling. I sang like an old hymn, like How Great Thou Art. Every old lady in that place stood up and clapped. And I was like, oh, I guess I can sing. That's literally how it started. And uh, so I was I was actually a music director in churches for a long time and did that and really got my heart broke over that, learned the hard way that Santa Claus doesn't exist. And um, 
my ex at the time, I was actually previously married. Um, I won't speak badly of her, but she basically kicked me out of the house and said, you need to move to Nashville. Otherwise, you never will. And so I moved to Nashville without her with a suitcase and a guitar. And uh, I lived in the back of an elderly couple's house for four months. They let me stay there for free. They would not take rent. That is the only way that I got on my feet in Nashville because it's so damn expensive. A beer cost $20. So, <laughs> yeah, man, that's how it happened. And I just grinded and, uh, you know, started writing music for myself like every artist does. And then uh, that was kind of pretty empty for me. And then my mom got sick and I wrote a song about it. I had a heartache and a lot of beautiful things have happened, you know, um, turned into a philanthropist and uh, figured out that music is so much bigger than ourselves and there's power in music and I kind of just said yes to every offer that came my way, and eventually I looked up and we found out that I helped raise a hundred million dollars to fight against Alzheimer's. And um, I'm gonna announce here probably a week or two from now that I just signed a record deal and uh, I have a radio team and all these things now too. So I'm just like it's starting to it's starting to it's starting to get wild. <laughs> but. Uh, it, but a good while. So many good things are happening. I'm just trying to keep up, you know, along with my touring schedule and things like that. So, well, and in, in, as you talk about your mom and dad, your 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 mom was country music, right? And your dad was a little more rock and roll. Oh yeah, yeah. Mom couldn't fall asleep at night without her little clock radio on the side of her bed playing the country radio station. The jo- I say it as a joke, but really it wasn't. I don't think my dad slept for 30 years of their marriage because my mom had. Country radio station cranked all night long. I could hear it down in my bedroom, man. It was so bad. Uh, but she's the reason why I fell in love with country music. I mean, that's all we listened to growing up. But Dad, on the other hand, the hippie through and through. I remember, you know, the first time mullets were cool. He had a mullet, but it was like, it was so long in the back. He had like the short bangs parted, and then he had a mullet so long, it was like past mullet. It was just like nasty, you know, like. Dude, like you gotta get like he eventually cut his hair but it was it he was like the original like he was the original morgan wallen and hardy you know like and uh so i remember one day he has more tattoos than me by the way but they're like i'll tell him to his face my dad has terrible tattoos it looks like he got him in prison like i'm just like what are you thinking bro he's got a whole leg tattoo it looks like a whole garden like i'm just like what are you doing but um uh, I remember he walked downstairs one day, and uh, he had a uh, jean jacket on with a collar popped. And I was 10 years old, and he had surprised me. He had a matching jean jacket for me. And he said, put this on, Jay. He said, you're going to your first concert. So he rolled up the windows and his 91 Ford Bronco. It was 91 Ford Bronco, two-tone tan. It was jacked up. And I remember we'd go mudding in that thing, and we'd stop, and we'd get Mountain Dews and corn nuts. It was so funny, man. And, uh, so he, he, he rolled up the windows, we had our matching jean jackets on, and uh, he hotboxed me all the way to my first concert. I was 10 years old, high out of my mind, and uh, I saw Kansas opening up for sticks. And I remember everything was kind of like fuzzy, and I was really happy. I just remember fist bumping to Mr. Roboto, and that was my very first impression of rock and roll music. And I fell in love with rock. I mean, and, the, and then from there on out, it was like obsessed over my dad's vinyl collection. That's how I learned how to play guitar. And for me, ever since, it's been everything's black and leather jackets and tattoos. And, uh, you know, I'm known for this sentimental song for my mother, but really I'm a rock and roll guy, you know. So, yeah, the two kind of literally made a baby, country and rock with me. So, yeah. It's a little southern rock then. 
Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, for me, I've really influenced, I'm sure you were too, by like uh, the alt-rock, like real alt-rock, like late 90s, thousands, mm-hmm. you know, um, Nirvana and Bush and Live and Matchbox. And for me, I felt like Three Doors Down was like everyone's anthem, you know, when I was a kid. So, um, yeah, man, it's kind of that sound brought into like the feel of a country concert, you know, modern country with a flair of alternative rock is really what it's become. Well, and, and, and honestly, that's, I mean, there are, that sound is getting into, to Nashville more and more. I mean, whether it was Hardy putting, or, uh, yeah, Hardy, Hardy putting out the kind of rock song and a good bit of others that that are making Southern rock and country rock kind of a thing. I mean, what, what was it like when you though were able to get to Nashville and kind of go into it full time? Yeah, man. Uh, I kind of, when I choose to do something, I, I'm sure like you too, it's like all the way in, you know, so it's like it, took me a long time i actually never really thought that i was gonna move to nashville i did everything in my power not to do that <laughs> i thought like everyone go there and fail you know and like i heard about that it's a 10-year town thing i'm just like that sounds terrible like 10 years before you have any success um and then all the sacrifice involved and honestly i never thought i'd be an artist you know i i uh <clears throat> for me like i grew up working on farm wrestler and like singing in churches was like a hobby like a side thing you did or you know like something that like you do you know play a couple songs for your girlfriend down in her bedroom and get lucky <laughs> you know so uh you know just like it seemed like an impossible thing for me um so when i moved there i'm just like you know what i'm gonna do this you know so i remember i immediately got my heart broke um i started a band and uh it was called tennessee kings a really cool four-piece like eagles thing and uh we immediately like got an offer from Broken Bow Records, and I thought I'd figured it out and kind of, you know, I, I thought I, you know, made a fool out of everyone that said it was a ten-year town. Dumb, naive kid, um, because the president of that label um, backed out about nine months after us going back and forth with negotiations, and we'd already been set up with William Morris and management and all that. The president bailed, the band broke up, and I was like well, shit, I'm going back home to Iowa. Because <laughs> I'm like, that sucked. That was a huge blow to me. Um, so my dumb thought process at the time was, I'm going to play one last show. So I booked a show at 3rd and Lindsley in Nashville. I'm going to play one last show, get out of my system, and then go back home to Iowa with my tail between my legs. So I remember playing this show to, like, there was a bar, and uh, everyone had their back turned and didn't even watch me for the whole hour. I was like, cool. <laughs> so I walk up. This is a great feeling. Maybe it is time yeah, to go. Like, all right. <laughs> so uh, I remember walking off stage, and um, man, I swear to God, uh, I didn't even notice him there. But Billy Carrington was like sitting on the edge of the bar on the backside with his girlfriend, and he walked over and my hand introduced himself, and uh, he said, "Jay, I don't know who you are, but I just watched your whole set." And he said, "I, I just have a little bit of advice for you: never leave Nashville." That he was in Nashville for nine years. He worked concrete before anyone cared about him and his music. He just, he just said, uh, just never leave. He said, last man standing wins. And I was like, that's the one thing I needed to hear. And it kind of just pumped me up, and I've, I've kind of had that in the back of my head ever since. Last man standing wins. For me, what that means is just never quit. If you really believe that you want to accomplish something, just even when you're like, get kicked down in the mud just like get back up and put one foot in front of the other and eventually good things are going to come out of it and so i made that choice man and uh it's crazy you know i started having some success i got my first publishing deal shortly after that 
that turned into me meeting a well-known producer uh, signed to Sony, got me a deal at Sony ATV, and then uh, that we wrote a song called Sounds Good to Me. It was the highway font on Sirius XM. Then I linked up with William Morris again the second time. <laughs> I started touring full-time. I started opening up for every big act you can think of. The money was absolutely terrible, but I was playing in front of like thousands of people, which was super cool. Um, gave me a lot of confidence, confidence and taught me a lot real quick. Um, and then, like I said, my mom got sick and then I realized, you know, my real purpose for the last six, seven years, you know, uh, was that, you know, to take something that's really hard to talk about, uh, really painful for people and to kind of almost make it cool to talk about it. And like I said, it, it grew me up really quick, man. And, uh, it showed me really what you can accomplish with your gifts, you know, no matter what that is, it doesn't have to be music, you know? you can accomplish great things with the gifts you've been given. So that's what I've been doing, you know, and uh, it's just, it's it's been 10 years. June 13th, this year will be 10 years. So it is, well, and, it is and, a 10-year tale. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it doesn't lie. It does, there's no shortcuts uh, for sure. And, and you talk about, you know, when things kind of hit with your, your mom and all that and the song that you, you've kind of alluded to that took off and kind of went viral and really connected with people was blank stares. What was that like to share that out there? Cause that's not the easiest thing to do. Yeah. So, you know, I think for the absolute first time, you know, uh, during my time frame in Nashville, I wrote a song, not, tr not trying to write a song for anything other than it was for me. It was out of like, I was so, uh, overwhelmed with a feeling of like heartbreak, like, like an out-of-body experience, you know, something happens to you, whether good or bad, you know, it's kind of like watching a movie of your own self, like you're the main character, and you're, it's almost kind of like that, is that really me? That can't be me, that can't be us, and so for me, it was like to kind of find an understanding of that experience, my only thought was I have to write it out, I have to get it out of my system, get it out of my heart and out of my mind, and so I actually went into Sony with a voicemail, and uh, it was a voicemail I saved from my mother, she had called me on my birthday and uh, in the middle of being very, very sick. She was pretty far gone at this point. My dad put her on the phone, dialed my number, and she tried to leave me a happy birthday voicemail. And halfway through it, she just, you could tell she was fumbling through her words, forgot why she even made the phone call, and then she hung up. Well, I kept that voicemail just to remind myself this is actually real. This is actually me and my life and my mother. We are actually going through this, and I would listen to it every day. And so... When I, was, when I felt like it was time to write the song, I took it to my buddy Jason Nix. So he's written some huge number ones now. He wrote uh, a big hit for Lanny Wilson. Um, but I took it to him, and uh, I just played him the voicemail. And he said, what is that? And I told him, he, he goes, okay. I said, well, I just want to write a song today for my mother. And he said, yes, sir. So we did that, man. And it, it, uh, it was literally two bearded dudes sitting in a room by ourselves crying all day writing this song like the most human you can be and laughing through it and um you know we get done and i just felt this sense of like relief like um i don't care if no one ever hears that that was for me and for my mother and so when you're signed to a publishing company you turn in your songs you have to submit them so i turned them in and i got a call three days later from troy tomlinson he was the president of sony at that time he just straight up called me and he, and he said, Jay, I'm sitting in my office right now. I'm listening to this song. Uh, I'm literally like a blubbering mess. He goes, you don't know this, but I, I know what that song's about because I lost my dad to Alzheimer's. And um, 
I took care of him for the last five years of his life. I was his caregiver. So he said, buddy, make me a promise. I'm going to get this song in front of some very important people. If you promise me that we'll give away every dime back towards the fight against Alzheimer's. So I said, yes, sir. And that's exactly what happened. And uh, we've kept that promise ever since, man. So it is, it's been a, it's been a tough go, but like I said, I've seen something really, really hard and terrible and sad turn into something beautiful. People have found a safe place, um, within this song and in the conversations that we've created, um, and the events that we've put on all around the country, they have a safe place now to talk about it. You know, it's, it's a really like, I'm a fun guy. Uh, <laughs> so we put on this really fun show and everyone's half drunk by the end of it. But then I kind of have like a come to the altar moment where people are just like, I even let people come on stage and tell their stories, like right in the middle of my set, you know, and it's, I've just seen my mother's life has now left a legacy. And, you know, even though she passed, like, I just feel like she lives on through it. And so I'm going to keep doing that forever. But uh, now we're going to start being fun again. I feel like it's time. Well, I was going to say, I mean, it, it's a difficult thing for, for anyone to go through. And, and I mean, it's got to be both good and bad, you know, like it's got to be good that you're able to get that out there and share it. But at the same time, it's still a memory that, that you, you've got. And it, it's a tough memory at, at that, uh, you know, personally not going through Alzheimer's, but other other things in life. I, I know what it's like when those memories get brought back up and they're not always easy. Yeah, man. I think that's been the hardest part about being kind of the poster boy for the National Alzheimer's Association is I have to tell this story over and over and over every day. And it used to be like a burden. You know, I used to be like, God, I got to live this, do this thing all over again and walk away and wipe my eyes. And now I'm just like, you know what, what a joy, what an honor to get to tell this story and help others. You know, now it's become just like a, I take pride in it, you know. So, man, it's all good. I'm glad that it's uh, been a focal point of my life and I'm glad that I get to help others, you know. Well, like you said, uh, you made a big impact. What raised over a hundred million dollars through galas and the song and everything, and and were even, uh, I believe, what named ambassador or got got an award from the Alzheimer's Association. Too? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 2019, it was the Rita Hayworth Gala every year. That's like the big. I used to call it gala, by the way, and I got corrected really quick. I said it on the mic one time. I called it called gala. Oh, gala. <laughs> I was like, oh, oops. Shit. But uh, the biggest one that the Alzheimer's Association puts on every year is called the Rita Hayworth Gala in Chicago. And they invited me and my entire family after my mom passed and um, got on stage and told the story and did my deal and sang the song. And then they came up and surprised me and gave me the the National Caregivers Award. So it's hanging on my wall next to all Kylie's little awards. So, yeah, man, really proud of that. Well, and you've kind of come full circle in, in the songs, and one of your most recent singles was No Prayers, No Prayer Like Mamas. And what was it like to write and, and release that one? Yeah, so I, I, that's kind of like the, you know, talking about like putting a, a book into a season of my life. You know, it's like, you know, when I went on The Voice, uh, it's funny talking to you about this now because we're drinking, but I had, <laughs> I'm always going to be the guy with a drink in his hand. I, you know, that's just who I am. Um, but, uh, you know, I decided going on to The Voice. How about when I'm filming for two months in L.A., I have to, they, they required that we be by ourselves. I'm a grown-ass man, but I had to be trapped in a hotel room every single day. If we weren't filming, I had to, we were only allowed to leave our rooms for 10 minutes per day. It was psycho. And so I actually, um, 
I bought Kylie a blonde wig off of Amazon. I disarmed the exit door and the stairwell, and I snuck her in just so I could see my wife. Um, but while I was there, man, I thought, you know, like, finally, like, I chose not to drink. Uh, just for the first, for those two months, two and a half months or whatever, I'm like, I'm going to test myself and see what happens if I'm completely sober for the first time ever, which was scary. Uh, but, man, I'm glad I did because I kind of woke up and I realized, man, uh, I can be happy. Like, I, you know, I truly believe that, you know, for me, I'll never preach, but I will share my faith. I believe my mom did go to heaven. She's much better off than we are, you know, and, and she's probably up there like saying, hey, go on and be happy and live your life. Get married, uh, go have a great career, have fun, enjoy yourself. And so I wanted to write one last thank you to her and say what I believe, and that's there's no prayer like mamas. And uh, we shot a music video. It was so healing for me. And, I, you know, I had so much, like, kind of, like, this is an end to a season type feelings. And then uh, we're dropping a lyric video for it on Mother's Day, actually. And that's kind of the last thing that I'm going to release that's super heartfelt and heavy, to be honest. I'm really, really glad that I've gone through this season successfully. I've had a lot of naysayers. Even Kylie, you know, someday she's she's been like, hey, when are you going to be done with all this? And I'm glad that I didn't listen to her because we raised $100 million bucks, you know. So, um, But now I can go on and release songs like Jello Shot, which I just played at live in the vineyard in front of all these radio people. And I literally jumped off the stage. I'm like, y'all, you are not expecting this. But I jumped off stage was like spinning old ladies around, like dancing. I had the whole place up on their feet. Like that's really who I am. So that's what y'all are gonna see from me next. We're planning the music video for Jello Shot. I'm literally gonna take a, the artwork is gonna be me in a hot tub filled with Jello shots. Like I'm, I'm gonna send it, bro. I am so ready to have a good time. <laughs> is is that when Kylie's gonna go? Wait a minute. Can we go back to? <laughs> can we rewind a little bit? Can you calm she down? Might, she might. <laughs> She's a wild one too. I don't know. I can can't keep up with her some days. I'm like, are you okay? <laughs> but yeah, man. Okay. Uh, well, hey, nothing wrong with having having a little energy. And and you also one of the most recent songs you released that you mentioned Three Doors Down being one of your your favorite bands growing up on. You got to cover uh, here here without you. Uh, how fun was it to kind of, you know, do that as well and share that that side of you? Yeah, man. So it's always kind of, I think it's scary to really cover. That's the first time I've done that. And I, that was actually my producer's idea, Michael Wilshire. Uh, I got to talk about Michael real quick. He's been working on the Jason Aldean record with Michael Knox, tracking all the BGBs and helping with that. So, But him and I become friends over the years. He called me and he's like, dude, he goes, this is not like a huge career move, but I just feel like you should – you know, really, you know, like show people that rock side of you, you know, like what if you did a cover here without you? And I was like, oh, my God, like literally one of my favorite songs of all time. So uh, we went in to track it and we changed it a little bit. And I'm like, what if we made it a, a little faster? And what if we uh, what if we changed the key? And we did. And we put pedal steel on it to make it a little country. And man, we play that acoustic, just me and my guitarist, my guitarist literally uh, a couple nights ago. We were uh, where were we at Manassas, Virginia. This dude straight up takes off his shirt, and then we play Here Without You, just acoustic. Everyone's, it doesn't matter the age, man. They can be they can be 19, they can be 69. They're all singing it. Like, everyone knows that song. It's so awesome. So I'm glad we put it out there, man. It's uh, it's one of my favorite songs. My first, probably my first big breakup. That I probably sang that every day driving to school. <laughs> <laughs> well well hopefully now it's just a, a fun one one to sing and and you mentioned being on, on the voice and and I, I know with any 
reality TV show. There are pluses and minuses. But how impactful was it to kind of, you know, just show a different side of you and maybe show other people uh, just a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, man. I mean, first of all, uh, you know, I can I can tell everyone this now since I'm out of contract, but The Voice called me every year for five years. They asked me to come on the show, and I always kind of thought it was silly, to be honest, so I politely, politely declined. Then they called me last year, and I was like, man, I really feel like I've taken this as far as I can on my own. What better way to put more eyes and ears on what I'm doing than to go on The Voice? And so I took the phone call from the casting agency. And I said, I'll do it this time, but uh, uh, promise me you'll let me sing this song and tell my story in a beautiful way. And they said yes. So um, I was the only one they allowed to sing an original song on the show last year, which was really cool. And after I got through the blind audition and they let me do that, I was like, I'm done. Like, I literally was just like, let me out. Like, that's all I wanted. It was on the <laughs> premiere on the first night. Like, it blew up my socials. Like, it just, um, I got a phone call from the head of the label. And um, when I came off the show and I was, that's literally what got me a record deal, man. Like, you can tell people who you are, like like what I did with Alzheimer's. You can try to prove to people who you are through words till you're blue in the face. But no one gets it until you show them. So me going on The Voice showed people that I'm a, I'm a real artist, you know. And, um, I kind of just tried to bring that and show that off, and I felt like they did a good job. So it's literally what got me a record deal. <laughs> That's crazy. Hey, it, what, every break it, it is different, and, and there, it's still the, the break you need. And, you know, you've also kind of gotten some honors recently. Uh, you know, uh, Music Mayhem, 2023 Artists to Watch. Uh, 2022 Country Now Awards uh, favorite competition contestant. What's it like to, again, like you said, you're you're getting seen and people are recognizing you and you're getting some honors and some recognition. Yeah, man, that's obviously a good feeling. I I feel like I've been such a support act for my wife really the last few years. You know, she Kylie told her mom when she was 12, I'm gonna skip college and move to Nashville to be a country singer. You know, and so she's only had her mindset on that her whole life. And just to see her accomplish those goals has been awesome. To see her to, to receive the rewards and recognition she has has been awesome. I just never saw myself, I really honestly never saw myself getting uh, recognized as an artist. I just, for me, it's been philanthropy, you know, fight for Alzheimer's and play every show sent your way. Um, so for people to even, you know, put me in the lights at all i'm just like man i don't know if i you know believe that i deserve that but you know thank you you know so we're gonna run with it every time i feel like for me if i'm being artist every time a light is pointed on me it's my duty to point it on something else you know so that's what we're trying to do so if anyone ever you know says gives me any sort of award i'm going to try to point it towards something for good so hopefully i'm doing that well, I was going to say, I think so far so good. And and you touched on this earlier. You got Jello Shot coming out. Obviously, you've released some other songs. I'm guessing more new music on oh, the yeah. way. Oh, yeah. It's going to be all fun, all bangers, man. Yeah, we're bringing back that FGL sound. Everything's just big drums and guitars. And, and uh, yeah, I, I'm so pumped to show off that side. So we're having fun in the studio working on music. And the music video is going to be nuts. Um, I just saw the treatment for the music video. I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's going to be hilarious. I can't wait to show it off. And and obviously when you're you're in the studio, I mean, singles are are one thing, but is the goal eventually an EP, an album? What, what what's the ultimate kind of hope here that you can tell me and not get yourself in oh, trouble? Oh yeah, with I, mean, I don't. I'll get in trouble. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So the uh, obviously the goal is um, 
to you know release as much music as possible i, I signed a you know a couple year long deal so i have time you know so if a, if a single takes off we'll really lean in on that and just focus on that and push that uphill uh, but the goal is to release like a, a five or six pack, you know, EP, you know, towards fall, the end of the year, and then start working on a record as we're dropping singles. You know, it's kind of the path, I think, for a lot of artists. And it's really smart. So I'm hoping we have just some success on one and I can focus on that for a while. But I have I have a I have a handful lined up ready to rock when the time is ready. And then, obviously, like I said, we're by the time this actually drops, we'll literally be at the halfway point. And I'll also be wishing you a happy birthday. I think as, I as know, well. Man, what crazy timing! That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. June sixth is D Day, and it's my best friend's birthday. That's how we met too. So, so you know, obviously, we'll be like at the halfway point of the year. Um, or close to it. What's the rest of twenty twenty three look like, and what are you hoping to you know get out? Yeah, of it? so I, I signed a deal with APA, a booking agent in town. They're awesome. They represent Rock Acts too, which is that's kind of what they're known for. Like my agent uh, Jeff Hill, he he represents Nickelback and Fifty Cent. And, you know, so they they got a new office in Nashville, and they're trying to break in, into the country scene. So I thought that'd be a good fit for me, and he's a great guy. So. Signed on with him, and he's kind of pitching for the fences. So, if we have some luck with Jello Shot, the goal is to like get on a big tour. You know, we pitched for the Brantley Gilbert Nickelback tour, and I was close to getting it actually. But uh, there's a kid that works that's with Brantley Gilbert's management company that they pick for that. So, we're kind of swinging for the fences and hoping to get a really unique like country uh, mixed with rock act tour. Um, and then I just brought on uh, a new manager, um, Stacy Stabola. So, we're working hard to book out. My, my year is already slammed with shows. I'm literally the weekend warrior, you know, gone every weekend. And then I have a wife that demands a lot of me too. So I'm, I'm literally just not sleeping and playing lots of shows. <laughs> and uh, we have an awesome uh, PR team that we're working with, Aristo now, and uh, they're kicking butt. So shooting music videos, and man, it's a wild life. <laughs> so... Yeah, I'm trying to lose friends along the way, and I'm trying to make sure my dog remembers me. <laughs> well, I was gonna say your dog, your wife, your house. Make sure you know how to get back to it, and, and things will things will I know, work man. out. Man, I just came home because I hadn't been home for a minute. I came home yesterday, and the air was out. I was like, oh no! <laughs> Here we go. But now, now the, here's the question though: Did would Kylie trust you to try to fix that, or is she making a phone call? So I, I set it up, and Kylie's home today. Uh, and then I meet her tomorrow night in LA. So I was like, "Baby, literally, here's the number. I'm gonna be on a plane and can't call him. Here's the number. Here's what you say. Here's the money. Just do it for me, please." <laughs> so, yeah, it sounds like we got it set up. Sounds like we're good, but we'll find out. <laughs> well, I, I know one thing: you're making some good music. I can't wait to hear the next you know a little bit of music the little more rock side of jay allen because it sounds like there's going to be some good some good tunes coming out of there and jay thanks for you know sharing a drink yeah with me. brother thanks for having me on jonathan find more from hops and spirits at hopspirits.com thanks everybody bye